Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. Pay enough attention to quite often my favorite songs from the band are actually by that other person. Like Spiral Stairs and Lee Ronaldo seem to actually have a lot in common. Yeah, and he's a published poet. Uh, Lee Ronaldo is? Yeah. Oh, nice. I've, I've never read any of his stuff. Have you? I haven't either. Huh. No, but I just I just learned this recently, um, so I should look into it more. But he just seems so, yeah, he seems so cool. He does. He does. They're all pretty great. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, hi. Uh, welcome to our record store. I'm Seth. This is Tara. Uh, feel free to have a look around and uh, just give us a shout if you need anything. I mean, we've put so much like thought and energy into Sonic Youth in our lives. <laughs> and like today, I, I think it's finally time that we get, get down to doing top five Sonic Youth songs. You know, like we've put it off for like, we've been working here for like half a year. Forget it. It's time. You know, it's time to, to, to do a dedicated Sonic Youth session of the High Fidelity game. Top five Sonic Youth songs. Are you ready for this? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm so ready. Okay. I when I was making my list, you know, obviously there's a lot of ways you can go with this. Sonic Youth is such a diverse band. Um, they've been so many places. They've put out so many albums. I mean, I've, I I can't even count. I literally don't know. Like, because there's of course like their core albums, but then there's all these side noise albums. Not to mention their live albums. These EPs that are basically albums, like collections of rarities, collections of B sides, deluxe editions where like the entire second disc is basically a whole nother album. Like. There's so many places to look that I, I wasn't quite sure where to begin with like what are my top five favorite Sonic Youth songs. So I think I just like went straight from my gut and I was like, no, like you as a human being, Seth, what do you like about Sonic Youth? Go. And, and, and in song form, not album form, go. And you, you can judge for yourself, but it, it was an interesting thing that I found of like what I truly think I like about a Sonic Youth song, you know? I didn't think too much. So, uh, yeah, let's just start it off. My number five is from 1988. It's from the album Daydream Nation. The song is Teenage Riot. Everybody's talking about the stormy weather. What's a man to do about a I mean, classic Sonic Youth. Yeah, classic Sonic Youth, right out of the gate. As far as I can tell... And I'm not entirely sure of the details behind this. Like, this was apparently their big breakthrough moment. This single, this song. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I don't know about that. I do know that um, this is the uh, the uh, Sonic Youth album cover that's in that episode of The Simpsons when um, Sonic Youth arrived in uh, The Simpsons. So, at least in that term of, like, pop culture recognition, Whoever worked at The Simpsons thought that a recognizable album cover for Sonic Youth was Daydream Nation. And I'm also surprised that it's the song is what? Like, it's over six minutes long. It might be like six and a half. I'm kind of surprised that it became kind of like a quote-unquote hit for them, even like an indie hit, that any yeah. song can do that at like over six minutes, you know? Yeah. No, this is definitely one of their their albums that was like the their greatest one of their greatest i would say of mm -hmm. their entire career and the song too i don't yeah i don't know how a six minute song kind of breaks through like that um but i guess it makes sense in the time frame that it came out uh 
1988, right? That's when it came out, right? Yeah, this is 88. Yeah. 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 And I don't know, just thinking about kind of what was happening then with, with rock and indie and sort of branching into grunge and Brit pop was happening. Um, 120 minutes was on MTV. It makes sense. Yeah. I also did teenage riot. The, the song title, like it's, it's whole maybe subject matter also kind of fits, uh, the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the birth of this movement and them being, you know, the, uh, the leaders of this movement in many ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I didn't know until recently that this song is about what if Jay Maskus was the president of the United States? What? No, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. That's so cool. I'm, I'm not a lyrics person, so these things usually go way over my head because I, I just don't pay attention to lyrics. But yeah, that's 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 what Teenage Riot is about, is a hypothetical world, an alternate reality, where Jay Maskus is the president of the United States. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I wonder if he would be a good president. He's very quiet. He seems very quiet. Um, yeah, I, I think he would be one of those presidents who uh, doesn't make much of a much of a big noise. You know. <laughs> uh, okay, my number yeah. four. The year is nineteen ninety. The album is Goo, and the song is Tunic. Song for Karen. Another classic. Classic. Another classic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, I love this one so much. Me too. And then this is like, to me, this is like Kim Gordon kind of going full Kim Gordon pretty early on, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think from this point on, Kim Gordon was able to like create these tunic type moments on pretty much every album. But I think this is like one of the first times when she, like, I don't know, like, 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 it's almost like she wrote the archetypical Kim Gordon song with Tunic, mm-hmm. you know, like she figured yeah. out her own kind of structure. Cause obviously she's done a, a billion fantastic things before this, but this one just like feels like her moment in the spotlight. And um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know, you and I, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we like Kim Gordon. She's the, she's the fucking coolest, you know? So yeah, th- this is early great Kim Gordon in my eyes. Yeah. Song for Karen, Karen Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she wrote like an open letter to to Karen Carpenter. And I think that's kind of where this song came from. But yeah, I agree with you. I think this is, I'm trying to think back when even prior to this would have been that sort of moment for Kim Gordon. I don't know. Um, I think you're right though. I think it is maybe her her sort of like time to shine. Like she she made the quintessential Kim song with the, with tunic. Yeah. Cause before that, whenever I think about Kim moments, they're more like call and response type things happening in songs where like Thurston is like, da, 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 da. and then Kim's like, Run and <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's, that's the Kim Gordon moments. I remember from like, you know, whatever sister and evil and all these other things is like this back and forth kind of thing where tunic does feel like, yeah her it feels like a kim song and and i believe she full-blown wrote just two songs on goo i think it was this and cool thing i want to say i think those are the only two songs that she wrote like by herself Hmm. as like kim songs and they show yeah they're they're both super duper great (laughs) you know 
Yeah. I mean, I think she wrote Kissability too mm. on on uh, Daydream Nation. And that does feel like a Kim song as well. That's but, true. That's true. Um, but I think Tunic more more than Kissability is seems like a Kim song. But yeah. I don't think that I think that your your point still lies for sure. Classic Kim on a classic, classic album. Classic Kim. Yeah. So good. Uh, all right. My number three. The year is 1994. The album is Experimental Jet Set, Trash, and No Star. The song is Bull in the Heather. Betting on the bull in the heather. This is another hit, another classic Sonic Youth hit. Absolutely. Um, also, which is, great video, too. Oh, yeah. Featuring Kathleen Hanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of. Uh, Bikini Kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is such a New York song to me. <laughs> uh, what does that mean to you? A New York song? I don't know. I, I don't know. It just feels like a New York song. Mm. I mean, they're a very New York band. Like in pretty much every single way you can define what is a band. Like they feel extremely New York to me. And also <laughs> this this is going to be creating a strange analogy, but uh, I, I do think it holds true. Think back about Mickey Mouse, okay? <laughs> now, <Yeah. laughs> when Mickey Mouse was first getting started with all this stuff like, you know, Plane Crazy and Steamboat Mickey and all this stuff that like were like really early, like black and white, like Mickey Mouse cartoons, he was representing what the majority of the country was living, which was like a rural existence. And then as time passes and he went and moved into like things where like, you know, he was living in the suburbs with like, you know, Minnie and he had Pluto and was doing very like suburban things like playing a game of golf and whatever, going to the beach in those and like those cartoons. That's because that was a representation of what the majority of Americans were doing at that point in the 1950s. They were becoming suburbanites. They were moving to the cities. They were living this suburban life. I feel like... Just like Mickey Mouse was a mirror for American society, I think Sonic Youth was a mirror for New York society. Where, like, in the early days, in the early, like, 1980s albums, it's noisy, it's dirty, it's a little bit dangerous, you know? And then a little bit later, Sonic Youth in the 90s, they get a, a bit more mainstream, a bit safer, a bit more, mm-hmm. a bit more easily... Uh, easily claimable, easy to like say that like, yes, I love Sonic Youth, you know, but still a little dangerous and still not quite following the norms of everyone else. And then you get into the 2000s and they they move out to like Connecticut and they settle down and they have a house and that's, that becomes that version of Sonic Youth, you know, like the grown up Sonic Youth. And uh, I don't know, like, like, I feel like they're their growing up was uh, an important aspect of the band itself. It was reflected in the music and reflected in the subject matter. And I still remember, um, do you, I, I think it was called Head Dash. Was that Kim Gordon's clothing line at Urban Outfitters? Do you remember? Mirror Dash? X-Girl? Are you talking about X-Girl? No, I only no. know X-Girl. No, no. She had another clothing line. Um, this probably would have been in the early 2000s. And I believe it was called Mirror Dash, I want to say. 
And anyway, I remember reading an interview with her where she was saying, she was like, yeah, I'm an adult, but I don't really want to dress like I, you know, shop at anthropology. I want clothes <laughs> that look like how I want to dress. So she basically made these like, you know, clothes for 40-year-old hipsters. And I'm not sure how long that clothing brand lasted or anything, yeah. but that, that would have been her like Connecticut era. That would have been her like okay, you know, I'm in the PTA, but I'm still fucking Kim Gordon. Like, it's still, <laughs> I still have to be cool as hell, like, I, with, no matter what I do. Anyway, strange analogy yeah. to pull up, but I, I think it's apt. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see, when did that happen? You said, this is their Connecticut era. Yeah, this would have been the early 2000s, oh. like, like around, oh. like, the Murray Street, perhaps Post even X-Girl. Sonic Nurse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I've never heard of this clothing line I only I only know of x-girl um and I always thought it was so oh mirror dash yeah yeah but anyway long story short Kim Gordon's awesome and uh, I think at this point this was kind of like the I guess as mainstream as Sonic Youth was ever gonna get was it was with this album you know like and this single like I'm not sure like 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 to you off top of your head what is the most mainstream moment of Sonic Youth? Because at least in my head, it's this. It's it's 1994, Experimental Jet Set, Trash, and No Star. I don't think it's their best. I just think that's when they reached their um, their peak with like the world recognizing them. Yeah, um, I agree. For me, it was, but I heard that or I've read that it was not their most... Um, commercially uh, successful album. I think that was Dirty, maybe Washing Machine. That makes sense. I mean, that's where I would call their actual peak probably is around that era. Well, it's it's so hard to say. They've jumped around so many times. Like I, I would bet that depending upon who you ask that there is someone who would say every single Sonic Youth album is their favorite album. You know what I mean? Yeah, like for sure. Yeah. There's even some people out there who are like, New York City Ghosts and Flowers is my favorite. And I give them a sideways glance. But hey, they're, they're free to their opinion as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I for whatever reason, I thought that it would be Bull in the Heather as being their most popular um, and because it's on this album. But... But yeah, I've, and there's, so I do a nineties Twitch stream, uh, and we, we throw in some trivia here and there. And there was one question that we threw in about Sonic Youth and like what their, what was their, uh, most successful single. And Mm -hmm. we threw in this song as the option, but this is not the answer. I think it was a hundred percent actually. Oh, which is from dirty. Yeah. But that also makes sense because that's also a very like, rock and roll, grunge, direct song, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But maybe, I don't know, it was like when we grew up or whatever, it was just, it seemed like that video for Bull and the Heather was on MTV a lot more. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I heard it on the radio a lot more too, so. And I also think that in the mainstream sense, maybe this is just the people that I knew, so this is totally anecdotal, is that Sonic Youth was more famous than Nirvana before, you know, Nirvana exploded. Then Nirvana exploded, and then Nirvana made Sonic Youth more famous. Like, it's, it was basically like this weird, like, slingshot action where, like, Nirvana was, like, you know, the little brother for, like, a minute. And then they 
who knows how that happened. Nirvana became like the number one thing in the world. And then because Nirvana was so popular, people were looking for like other grunge acts, you know, and they Mm -hmm. were like, ooh, if I like this, what else is out there? And then a lot of people found Sonic Youth because they were introduced to this brand new band called Nirvana. So I think there was a weird slingshot popularity thing happening there. But um, yeah, that's totally anecdotal. (laughs) No, but I mean, it seems like it seems legit. It seems like that is a thing that happened for sure. Yeah. And then there was the whole the year punk broke with Nirvana and Sonic Youth. Yes. On tour. Um, Yeah. I think that makes total sense. Totally. Oh, and as long as we're discussing the meanings of these songs, um, uh, let's see. I think Thurston was saying, no, I think it was Kim. Doesn't matter. Someone from Sonic Youth was saying that uh, Bull in the Heather is about using passiveness as a form of rebellion. So by like basically just like not participating in things by saying, no, I I will not be a part of your patriarchy. I will not be a part of whatever that by just opting out, that's what Bull and the Heather is about, which kind of makes sense in like a literal sense, you know? So yeah. 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 There's that. Uh, Kind of fits into their whole aesthetic as being a no wave, anti-corporate entity. And that whole like 90s stereotype about being a slacker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be part of your mainstream patriarchal led fads. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Moving on to my number two. The year is 2002. The album is Murray Street. And the song is Disconnection Notice. I was nice. pretty surprised that this got so high on my list, but I went from the guts too. and this was there. I, I'm not sure what it is about this album that really speaks to me because it's um, them kind of at their jammiest, you know? Yeah, for sure. So when I yeah. said that other song, I can't remember, which, oh, no, it's Bull and Heather, that I said it felt very New York. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, Murray Street, which is one of my favorite to listen to all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it feels like an Athens album. Oh, interesting. It's not an Athens album, but it feels like it to me. No, no, no. I, I, I'm going to push you on that because I don't know what you mean by that. What is an Athens album? I don't know. Like more, <laughs> acoust- more acoustic-y, but still alternative, like almost an old R.E.M. album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also funny to me, too, because like I consider Disconnection Notice a long, jammy song but even though it's over six minutes too, I still think it's shorter than Teenage Riot. And I don't consider Teenage Riot to be a jammy song, you know? So... No, yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I just remember too that at this point in like the Sonic Youth timeline, so um, I'm probably getting some aspect of this wrong because I'm just going off the top of my head. But there was a point um, where... Sonic Youth's van was broken into and like all of their mm-hmm. gear was stolen, all their guitars, all their everything. And, you know, that's bad for any band, but that was particularly bad for Sonic Youth because they have like so many like odd tunings and like special things that they've done to their instruments to make them sound a very Sonic Youth way. Like they're very like they're very treated, you know, like there's nothing yeah. kind of like fresh off the uh, fresh off the factory floor with Sonic Youth. They're all made a little avant-garde, you know? 
Yeah. So when they had all that stuff stolen, they had to basically reinvent their sound. And that's when they made their album, New York City Ghosts and Flowers, which is a good album. But that's the one to me that is like the, if, if I had to pick a least favorite album of theirs, that's mine. You know, it just, it's just forgettable and it's strange and it doesn't really feel like a Sonic Youth album to me personally. I'm sure it's someone's favorite. But yeah. Murray Street is the album that came right after it. And so, like, it was like this, like, almost like reassurance that, like, ah, oh, don't worry. Sonic Youth's still here, you know? We're cool. Everything's going to be fine. You're all right. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. to me, yeah. there hadn't been a bad Sonic Youth album until New York City Ghosts and Flowers. And I was, like, worried. And then Murray Street was like, nah, <laughs> we're good. Yeah. And this is the first one with Jim O'Rourke, like, as official. Yeah. Yeah. Remember. Was Jim O'Rourke ever in the band at the same time that Mark Eibald was? Like, was this, was Sonic Youth ever a six person band? I don't know. I'm trying to think about like the times I've seen them live. And I've definitely seen them with Mark Eibald because um, he was their bass player up until the end. And it's actually funny. Um, Yeah, yeah. When I saw them, it was Sonic Youth opening for Pavement. So Mark Eibold just was on stage the whole night. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) I'm so jealous of that. Oh, and and then No Age was the first act, the opening act. So it was a cool. It was a great show. This was at the Hollywood Bowl, too. It was a good one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never seen them live. So sad. I, I, I have not given up all hope that they won't get back together in some yeah. capacity. I mean, like, despite the fact that Thurston fucked things up and that he's, <laughs> you know, he that he ruined one Oblivious. of our favorite bands, he is still in contact with Kim Gordon because obviously they have a child together. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, resentful, even if it's painful, they do still have, like, a tie that ties them yeah. together. So perhaps one day... We might get a reunion. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) That's just hope. That's wishful thinking. We'll see. Yeah. Fingers crossed. All right. And my number one, um, this, this, so, so here's something wild that I didn't notice until I wrote down my list. So I wrote down each of my songs, just kind of like, you know, like I said, straight from the guts. What am I feeling? And then number one, it turned out was the newest. Number two was before that, number three before that. It's chronological. Oh, number five is my oldest. Number one is my newest. I don't huh. know how that's possible. Like that isn't, on, on paper, I would not have ever figured that way, but it, it, it's what it turned into that number five is 88. Number one is 2004. The album is Sonic Nurse. The song is Dude Ranch Nurse. Dude Ranch Dream has So yeah, surprising, nice. right? Like, I, I mean, yeah, obviously actually, it's a great song, but I'm very surprised that that's my number one. I'm the least familiar with that album for whatever reason. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, does that count all the Sonic Youth Records like noise albums? Or are we talking about like, core what albums? Do you, mean? you know, you know, there's like the SYR. Oh yeah. I mean, no, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking like regular Sonic Youth albums. Right. Like traditional yeah. Geffen yeah. Records, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorites. I'm not really sure why. I mean, they're all good. Like, like I don't think... 
Yeah, I don't think there is... A, the only album of theirs, like I said, that I even dislike a little is New York City Ghosts and Flowers. Like, that's my... Well, that's, that's the one I'm least familiar with just because I listen to it the least. I almost never yeah. put that on for fun. But... um. No, actually, you're right. I think maybe that one is... Maybe I am least familiar with that one, actually. Right. But, um, but no, Sonic Nurse is a grand album. Um, yeah, I also saw them on tour for this album uh, up in Vancouver, B.C., and it's just, I, I don't know. I love it. Like, like I think it was around the same time. So when um, Radiohead put out Hail to the Thief, I felt like it was somehow like a culmination. Like it was saying like, look at all these things we've done in the past. We've combined them all together to make one big old album of like all of our different flavors kind of worked together to make one one thing one cohesive thing and i feel like sonic nurse did the same thing uh, at around the same time I'm, I'm lumping these together unfairly but it's still <laughs> a thought in my mind which is that like all the different sounds of sonic youth all came together to make sonic nurse and it was like it, it was the culmination of everything they've done before and, and, you know, they went on to make, continue to make great albums after this. Uh, Rather Ripped is really great. The Eternal is really great. But um, on this one, Dude Ranch Nurse actually reminds me a lot of Tunic. Because it's that same thing. It's it's the Kim-led song. Kim. Yeah. Really just like taking center stage and, and really owning everything. And it's, I think the melodies are great. I think the hooks are really solid. It's just it's just a great song. Full stop. And um yeah, I, I, A, I'm surprised that Dude Ranch Nurse is my favorite song, and B, I'm surprised that I accidentally went chronological, number one being the most recent, number five being the oldest. I, I yeah. would have thought in my mind it would have flip-flopped that, you know? But um, there it is. There, there's my so, top five. Yeah, this is a good list. So for this one, Sonic Nurse, mm -hmm. which comes after Murray Street, but, but before Rather Ripped. yes. Um, do you think that there's any sort of like combo of those two sounds? Cause I feel like rather ripped is rather commercial Yeah, from a like rock standpoint. Whereas like you said, Murray street is not necessarily their same sonic youth sound, but still kind of like noodling with noise, but more on a jam band perspective, not so much in a noise band perspective. Like how do you think between Murray street and rather ripped, what is this one like to you? I do Sonic think Nurse. that Sonic Nurse has more of a focus on like more traditional song structures than Murray Street, but still languishes and gives themselves room to kind of noodle a bit. Yeah. So you're right. I think it is kind of in between the two. And, and, and I will say I only slightly disagree that Rather Ripped was more commercial because I think at the time, which would have been what, 2006, 2007? Six. Yeah. Yeah. That, like at that time, I don't think that noise was very commercial. It is definitely mainstream it feels so, catchy. Like all the, there's a bunch of the songs that feel very catchy. I guess that's yeah. what I meant. By yeah, definitely. Like, like, like I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> they if, weren't on the radio very much, if any, but right. I would say they are very radio friendly if they were ever played. Yes. On the yeah, radio. yeah. It would be commercial if they would have released that album during a time when that kind of music was commercially popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, it's it's all good stuff, and maybe we can talk about shortlist stuff later. But um, but oh yeah. yeah, but yeah, there there there's my five, cool. all very straightforward. I think all pretty um, 
pretty single heavy, I think. I think most of these were singles at one point or another, but then again, what's a single to Sonic Youth, you know? <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have some classics in there, but then some some I was surprised to hear. Yeah. For sure. I, I kind of feel like every song off of Goo was a single. Because I didn't they make a music video for every song on Goo? What? Did they? I think they I think. did. Maybe I, I just imagine that because they had so many great songs on Goo. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Anyhow, but I'm I'm curious to hear your list. Here, here, uh, where where you came at this problem with? Because obviously, Sonic Youth has a lot of songs. And there's a lot of different kind of like criteria you could have narrowed this down with. So uh, let's take a quick break. I'll put my records back. You grab yours, and uh, let's continue with top five Sonic Youth songs. The powerful new iPhone 13 Pro is here with the most advanced camera in an iPhone. And T-Mobile is the place to get it. This new cinematic mode turned my travel videos into a filmmaking masterpiece. Get the most out of your new iPhone on America's largest, fastest 5G network. And posting. Whoa, that was fast. And now you can get iPhone 13 Pro on us with eligible trade-in and plan and upgrade forever. So I can always have a new iPhone? Yep, forever. Lock in the trade-in value of your new iPhone up to 800 bucks every two years for your next upgrade. Get iPhone 13 Pro on us right now and upgrade forever, only at T-Mobile. With Max Plan and on us, now via 30 monthly bill credits. For well-qualified buyers plus tax, contact us before canceling service to continue credits on current device or credit stop and balance on required finance agreements due. Fastest based on average overall 5G speeds according to Open Signal Awards and USA 5G User Experience Report July 2021. See T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by The Last Duel, a film by Ridley Scott, director of Gladiator. Witness the true story of one woman who defied a kingdom and made history. Starring Academy Award winners Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Academy Award nominee Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer, who gives a performance critics say will be remembered come Oscar time. The script was written by Academy Award nominee Nicole Hall of Center, as well as Affleck and Damon. The Last Duel, now playing only in theaters. Okay, we are playing the High Fidelity game. Tara and I are finally cracking that walnut open, which is top five Sonic Youth songs. And uh, it's been long overdue. We're finally doing it. Two big old Sonic Youth fans. Anyone who visits this record store knows that it's uh, it's got to be the band most mentioned inside these yeah. four walls. I mean, <laughs> we won't stop talking about them, you know? So uh, Between Sonic Youth, Radiohead, and Bjork. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But see, see, here's here's the difference. No, Bjork, I, I'd say Bjork is probably the second closest because you and I both call Sonic Youth one of our favorites. You oh, yeah. and I both call Bjork one of our favorites. I'm not uh-huh. sure Radiohead would, would make your favorites list. They don't make my favorites list, but uh, they're good. Right. Like, I, I think Radiohead to you is like the cure to me. Where oh, it's like, I, I, of course, love The Cure. There's no question about it. But do I own every Cure album? Nah, I own most of them, but that's it. You know? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, cool. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you're going to laugh at my first, my number five pick, just because it overlaps with yours. <gasps> what is it? Um, Number five from Goo, mm-hmm. 1990, is Tunic. 
song for Karen. Yeah, I was so stoked that you had that on your list. Um, and it's such a Karen, or it's a Karen song for sure, but it's such a Kim, <laughs> Kim song. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge Carpenters fan on top of being a huge Sonic Youth fan. So um, there's an immediate draw for me to even before listening to it, even finding out that, that there was this sort of um, elegy to to Karen Carpenter from Ken Gordon. Um, I like how, you know, she's using it almost as a way to connect to that story, um, freeing Karen Carpenter from this like story too, in a way saying goodbye to Hollywood. She's like, goodbye, Hollywood. Yeah. Hello, Elvis. Hello. <laughs> Janice, I think Janice, she says hello to all these like dead celebrities already in heaven, uh, kind of a thing, celebrity heaven. Um, and she says, I feel like I'm disappearing, getting smaller every day, but I look in the mirror and I'm bigger in every way. Yeah. It's, that's oh, sad. it's such a big line. I know. Gosh. If people don't know, Karen Carpenter had a big anorexia problem. And, um, at least from what I've read, it was something that was perpetuated by her mother. And I don't know all the details, of course, but um, yeah, no, that, like like in terms of anorexia, that is such a powerful line. It's so weird and like truthful, but like, I don't, it's just good. Yeah. It's just, it's just. Well, I, I, yeah, I heard that she was told by a man in the industry, like, oh, you're looking bigger or something. Mm. Um, I didn't know that her mother perpetuated any of it. So that's- That, that might be a lie on my part. Uh, well, not a lie. Hey, <laughs> me mishearing something. Uh, or maybe I just don't know the full story either. Yeah, um, I don't know. The, the story I heard was that um, one of the first times they were ever on television, uh, Karen Carpenter's mother- uh, was telling her like how much bigger she looked on TV or something like that. And that really stuck with her and became like this thing of just like, oh no, you know, and that got into her head and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure she heard yeah. it other times as well. And it's yeah. also, of course, wild because just like with many people with eating disorders, it's got nothing to do with her actual body type, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it, no. it, it's a hundred percent just trouble and society and ugh. Yikes. So sad. Yeah. She's such a talent to her voice mm. is unmatched. She could go very low to very high. She played the drums and sang. She was just such a talent. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge Carpenters fan, but I love that Kim Gordon is also a Carpenters fan. Yeah. Because I'm a huge Kim Gordon fan, so I, I just love it when our tastes overlap like that, you know? I also wonder, um, I remember also... like. Where am I even remembering these Karen Carpenter facts from? I don't know. <laughs> I remember another thing that I learned, which was that Karen Carpenter really wanted to go solo. She didn't want to just be in the Carpenters. She wanted to be, hello, I'm Karen Carpenter. This is a Karen Carpenter album. But someone wouldn't let her. I'm going to presume it was probably someone at her label or in her management or something like that. Oh, yeah. And so because of that, I wonder if that kind of like matches in any way Kim's feelings too of like this yearning to like be herself by herself out there in the world and mm -hmm. do things as Kim Gordon not just another girl in the band you know yeah and yeah. she finally did and man oh man we are so lucky 
that we got that Kim Gordon solo album. Like, I didn't think we would ever get it. And it was so good, you know? It's good. Yeah. Murdered Out. Oh. Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that album. And Me I get too. to see her at Pitchfork this year. I'm so excited. That's very exciting. Oh, because, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I was perfectly happy to go and um, keep receiving things like, um, let's see... Um, Bodyhead. I was trying to think of her other band name. Do you remember? She only put out one. Free Kitten. No, not. Well, actually, I guess she's had a lot. But yes, not not Free Kitten, not Bodyhead. It's a third one. The cover is the top of a very blonde head. Shit, what was that band name? Do you remember? She's had so many bands. That sounds like the Free Kitten album to me. No, 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 no. It's a different one. I'm going to remember it as soon as I try to look it up. Let's see here. I have her page open. I can probably get there faster. Let's see. We are racing. (laughs) Glitter bust. Glitter bust. That's the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, no, no, it's it's um, 2016. Yeah. Like, like I was perfectly happy with like all of these experimental projects that she was doing, like in other groups and side projects and all this stuff and experimental noise and improvised stuff. That was totally cool. But when we actually got that Kim Gordon solo album, I, I was just so happy a that it existed and b that it was as good as it was because yeah, it was great. It was so great. Mm-hmm. And we waited a while because she released Murdered Out, I think, a long time before oh, the album yeah. actually came out. And I was I, like, okay, what's next? I thought that was just like a one-off single at first. Me too. And then yeah. it, it eventually had, had an album with it. It was great. Yeah. So good. All right. Number four is from 1988, a side project, Chicone Youth. The uh, song is Into the Groovy. And yeah, a side project, like I said, of Sonic Youth members, um, Steve, Kelly, Kimberly, and Thurston, but also had some of the members from the Minutemen and Mike Watt, or oh, Minutemen, Mike Watt was featured, and Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr. Um, I love it. It's sort of a a break a little bit from their their regular sound, but still somewhat experimental, but usage of samples and kind of, it does it is almost like they're dipping their toe into pop realm, but in a way that's like paying tribute to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I fully agree. And and I, I will say too, I he, even though the album is credited to Chicone Youth, of course, Chicone being uh, Madonna's uh, last name, and I believe the cover is a very close-up picture of Madonna's face. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And it's all white and it's just like a rasterized black um, and white cover of her face, very up close. Yeah, um, but I, I I keep this under Sonic Youth, both on my shelf and in my iTunes because Me too. Um, a I think if I kept it under C, I would probably forget about it and not listen to it as often. Yeah, <laughs> and and B, it's so close to Sonic Youth, it's more like Sonic Youth and Friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. So another thing that's really interesting is that Madonna was actually in a couple no wave bands. And at one point she was in a no wave band with the two guys from swans. Oh, wow. Um, And then they recorded, I believe, or shared studio space with Michael Jira or like swans or, or recorded with them or something. Huh? There's another connect there. So 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Man, I would love to hear that. I like I, I can't even imagine Swans plus Madonna. Like that sounds yeah. incredible. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I know. I, I don't know what the bands are called. Um would have to dig into that one a little bit further, but But that's wild. Um, wow. Yeah. And also, of course, it has a cover of Addicted to Love. Chicone Youth. Yeah, I love I love that project. I'm I'm glad they did that. I also read that um they sort of started this project to get Mike Watt into wanting to play music again. Mm. And so it's sort of spun off of that. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know they've uh, collaborated with Mike Watt uh, on other projects in the past. So interesting. That's pretty wild. Yeah. 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 All right. Number three from 1994. The song is Superstar. Uh, a Carpenter cover, well, it's not originally written by the Carpenters, but it was made famous first by the Carpenters, I believe. Um, it's on a compilation from the 90s called If I Were a Carpenter. Um, and Sonic Youth uh, covers Superstar, but there's other covers of, of Carpenter songs like Solitaire by Cheryl Crow, um, uh, Close to You by the Cranberries, um, I think there's even a Dishwalla cover, or I mean, Dishwalla does a cover. It's I love that compilation so much. I I need to get it on vinyl. I think it was released as like a few seven inches that came in a box set. Yeah, I like think a, I like saw that min- too. Yeah, yeah, like a mini, um, like a mini forty five little box. Yeah, like they were uh, trying carrier. to make it look kind of like a, a children's record set, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I dug it. Yeah, I need to get that, but. I love their version so much. It has, you know, they stay pretty close to the original. Um, and then there's, you know, these sort of swelling bits of distortion guitar parts coming in and out of it. Um, it's so good. Like they must've been really happy that they pulled that off. Cause like, I, I remember a while ago, there was a covers compilation that TV on the radio was a part of, and they covered um David Bowie's heroes and later on someone interviewed them about it and they were just like oh yeah you really happy with that and and I forget who from TV on the radio was being interviewed but they were like nah we did our best and we were hoping for the best but it just didn't work out this time like you know we we, we should have done better and it just the things didn't connect it didn't work out and it's like oh yeah like when you commit to something it's not like your own project. It's you like collaborating with others and contributing something to like a bigger project. Yeah. You have to deliver. Like you have a product that you need to deliver on. You can't just like cut it from the album or whatever. So I would bet in that situation, Sonic Youth was like, oh yeah, no, we'd love to help. We, we'll, we'll be a part of this compilation. What song do you want to do? Oh, we'll do Superstar. Okay. And then they go do it and they hope it works out because they've already committed themselves to being a part of this compilation and whatever. And it turns out it's, definitely like the standout and becomes this like iconic moment for them. And that music video they made is so cool with like that super shiny microphone that Thurston has. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's such a simple music video, but it's so good. And then it becomes like an iconic film moment too in Juno, which was like obviously a big moment. And yeah, no, it's just, it's just great. Just. It is. yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, I mean, it's obviously not about Kurt Cobain, but when I hear that song, 
uh, I think of Kurt Cobain. Yeah. How like, you know, Superstar, it's kind of like you fall in love with someone on stage um, and they're this like bigger than life personality you think. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I love it so much, Superstar, this song. And also apparently Luther Vandross covers it too. Oh, I I could see that. I got to hear that version. I bet he does a good job. Yeah. I I think I would, I would love, this is me being greedy. I would love an album length version of Sonic Youth doing covers in this style, you know, because it is so separate and distinct from their usual sound that it's kind of like um, when Lowe did Almost Like Christmas or no, Just Like Christmas, mm. where it's like, yeah. oh man, this is so different from what you normally do. And it's so good. Can, can you give me a whole album of this, please? They're like, no, <laughs> we do this. And it's like, oh yeah, you're the boss, you know? make whatever you want to make. You're the artist. But uh, yeah, I would have loved an album length, loungy, powerful, swelling covers album from Sonic Youth. That would have been fantastic. That would be so cool. In yeah. a different sense that Chicone Youth is almost like that, but not. Yeah. Like, like I, I could yeah. see like on that same album doing some like Scott Walker covers, maybe Ooh. some like Dusty Springfield stuff. Like just like Ooh. that big yeah. swelling torch song type of like... 70s schmaltz, you know? 70s schmaltz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that while Superstar doesn't go on forever and ever, it has a tinge of that sort of diamond sea aesthetic. Yeah. The yeah. sparkliness. For sure. Um, and the video reminds me of that too, where it's like, you know, kind of a loungy, like you, with his gold microphone, like you mentioned, it's kind of glittery, like a hazy, shimmery, superstar moment for them for sure yeah i dig it i love it all right we are down to number two and it is from the 2006 album rather ripped the song is jams run free i love this song this is another kim one yeah but it's it's one of my favorite songs to drive to, actually. Yeah. The way it swells in the middle and just kind of explodes out of nowhere and keeps going. And she's like, we love the jams and the jams run free. We got to do that list someday. The uh, top five songs to drive to. Yeah. Because there, there's, there's a difference also to me between top five songs to drive to and top five like albums for a road trip. Because there's like, um, there's a duration kind of implication yeah. there. <laughs> uh, when we were talking about Lightning Bolt with uh, M. Sage not too long ago, Lightning Bolt not only makes me want to drive, it makes me want to drive faster than I should. <laughs> so <laughs> that'd be on my list yeah. somewhere. Um, yeah. Anyway, we, we, should, we should get back to that. So, someday, top five songs to drive to and top yeah. five albums for a road trip. Because when I was, um, uh, as you know, Tara, I was driving cross country about a week ago and um, Mm -hmm. man, oh man, so many great albums are like perfect for a road trip. And then there are some where it's like, oh, this album's great in many contexts, but not this one. Like, I am staring at the plains of, of like South Dakota right now. I need something very specific in my music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I, I mean, when I... I'm on a road trip or driving for a long period of time. I need to sing, be singing along to something to mm-hmm. just stay alert. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, it, 
even if I'm not driving very far, this song, Jams Run Free, kind of is one of those songs that makes you want to drive fast. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of dangerous, but uh, thrilling windows nonetheless. Down, <laughs> yeah. Windows down, volume all the way up. Right. Speeding down the highway or road or whatever. Yeah. Such a good, such a good one. And and like I said, another Kim song, but kind of embraces that whole um, like Bull and the Heather or cool thing or uh, I don't know. It has that just like super Kim aesthetic. Yeah. I, I also never thought we would get an album like Rather Ripped again because in my mind, that like straightforward rock and roll sound, I thought they were done with it. Like I thought like um, basically between Dirty washing machine and goo they'd kind of like moved on they, they had become more art yeah. than rock yeah and when they came back with rather ripped um i think it was um gosh it was a seven inch single that they put out um something about eyeliner it's not actually written anywhere on the seven inch it came out right before the album and I just happened to see it at my local record store. I just picked it up because it said Sonic Youth on it. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is this? Where is this going? And then they soon after announced Rather Ripped. And I was like, oh, they're a rock band again. Who knows how long this will last? I'm just grateful that we got it. You yeah. Know? Um, I know you've mentioned making a playlist for your wife, Lizzie, before yes. <laughs> of songs that are maybe like more consumable. Yes. Easy to consume Sonic Youth songs. And I, I've mentioned Rather Ripped as being more of a commercial album, but I mean that in saying like this album is the easiest to, to consume all the way through. Right. Of theirs, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, with, with um, I'm trying to remember the name of that CD I made for my, my wife. It was something like, I assure you Sonic Youth is good, Lizzie, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. But, but yeah, no, I, I definitely didn't put any noise on that album. Yeah. My, my, my wife doesn't have a high tolerance for noise in music. Like when, when music stops being music, she loses interest, which is, you know, totally understandable. But uh, yeah. unfortunately, I, I have mean, a lot of noise in my music library. <laughs> me too. And even Kim Gordon has said, you know, noise is a lot more fun to play than to listen to. Right. Yeah. Which is funny. <laughs> um I've made a playlist for a friend for a friend before, and it's called Consumables <laughs> of Sonic Youth songs that are just easier to stomach than yeah uh, the noise ones. Well, and that, that's kind of the funny thing. Like if you compare Sonic Youth to like other bands that have similar reputations, like from different eras. Like think about a band like Liars. Liars is an art rock band, just like Sonic Youth is, but Liars has like two or three like consumables, you know, they have like two or three songs that you could just play for the lay person and they would still go, yeah, this is great. Sonic Youth, you really can get a full album of just like straightforward rock and roll song, chorus, or sorry, verse, chorus, verse songs. And you can just, any lay person would go, yeah, it's a good song. You know, you could play it on the radio. Yeah, I love it. But then of course they have like 12 minute, you know, noise jams too yeah <laughs> speaking of my number one oh uh my number one is from 1995 album washing machine the song is diamond sea yeah, 
had it to be. It is a 20. It, yes, it had to be. This is the first song, first Sonic Youth song that I fell in love with, that mm. I heard and I fell in love with. I had heard Bull in the Heather. I liked it, but I heard Diamond C as a teenager and was immediately in love with Sonic Youth Forever. Um, it's a 20 minute long ballad. Uh, which does start out as kind of like, it feels like a love song in my yeah. opinion. And then explodes into just a noise excursion. I mean, spiraling noise, guitar distortion. It's wild, but then it gets rained back in and, and then it goes right back to the beginning kind of a vibe. Um, it's apparently the longest track they've ever featured on one of their studio albums. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. Which is funny. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a, a, an opus, a Sonic Youth opus defined, Sonic Youth defined, like this is their sound. It is, it is um, artistic. It's experimental. It's noisy. It's, but also it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. So. It still has like catchy choruses and verses too. Yeah. Like you can still hum along to this song. It's still a song, you know? There's a radio edit too. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. I think I have four versions of this song. I have, let's see. So there's the version that's on Washing Machine. There's a different version. I think it's an extended version that's on mm -hmm. the Destroyed Room. Then there's another version that came out as a 12-inch single. And mm -hmm, then there's like the that. radio edit version, which is like a more traditional song length. And other yeah. than the traditional song length version, I can't tell the other three apart. <laughs> like when they're all like 20-something minutes, I, I don't know how that one extra minute or two is just changing it that much. But uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're, they're all good. Every version is a good version. Yeah, um, and Washing Machine, which is like their, like, I don't know, I feel like it's a 90s classic. Yeah. It was filmed, or it was filmed, it was recorded in Tennessee, most oh. of it. So this is, cool. excites me because I'm from Tennessee, so. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> the um, exact analogy I would make with the Beatles, but I do feel like Washing Machine has got to be something like their Sgt. Pepper's. I would have to think more about like what the surrounding albums were. Cause then does that make goo revolver, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like what's the white album then? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, oh. I, I, I don't think there's a one-to-one -one correlation between Sonic Youth albums and uh, Beatles albums. Cause the Beatles very much had like a chronological timeline. Like you could follow the linear path of the Beatles throughout their career Sonic Youth did not have that. They jumped up yeah. and down and back and forth. They were and, all over. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you, when you start factoring in their noise albums. Like, we would have even mentioned all their SYR, like, noise stuff, which I love as albums, but I can't pull a song off that, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, that's oh, that that's was a, my list. That's a great list. And, and, and it's, it's funny to me that we only overlapped once with uh, Tunic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like, I, I didn't really know, because obviously we can go, we could both go many directions with this, but we 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 went, I, I think we both still got more or less the same thing, which is like all of the songs we picked are like understandable favorites. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like not, neither of us were like, oh, I don't know. Like, 
listing a song off of like the Thurston Kim Gordon Yoko Ono noise album, you know, where it's like, and that's my favorite song. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, interesting. No, we, we, we picked songs that are recognizable and favorites amongst people who listen to Sonic Youth. But um, I'm still surprised that between that, we only had one overlap. That's pretty surprising. Yeah, I agree. Good I'm stuff. also surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very cool. Well, good stuff. I mean, I'm sure yeah. we both have long short lists. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Not to mention our, our restocking of the employee recommendation shelf. So let's take a quick break, put those records back, and uh, grab our employee recommendations. Here we go. Okay, we've just completed our Sonic Youth top five songs lists. And, uh, oh, they were good lists. They were very good lists. Mm -hmm. I I bet if we popped all those into a playlist, we could make a very good, like, Record Store Society Sonic Youth's Greatest Hits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because in particular, we wouldn't put Tunic on twice, but we would still end with Diamond C. So it would still be a pretty standard length, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Because you add that 20 minutes on the end. True. Very true. (laughs) Um. So short lists, songs we wanted to include but didn't. I'm guessing, just like me, you had many contenders, you know, many oh, that yeah. could have been. So I'll, I'll rattle mine off real quick. Okay. Here's a bunch of mine that I wanted to include but couldn't. Uh, Dirty Boots, Cool Thing, 100%. Sugar Cane almost <laughs> made it so very close. Uh, Little Trouble Girl, The Diamond Sea, Karen Revisited, uh, Paper Cup Exit, uh, I Love You Golden Blue, Jams Run Free, and Incinerate. Though those <laughs> all were those all were spinning around. And, and also, again, I think all of those are very consumable. Back back to the same concept again. My my yep. my gut for favorite Sonic Youth songs are all pretty pretty standard. I don't think any of them yeah. are that daring or wild by Sonic Youth standards. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. You just Basically listed off my short list as well. A <laughs> um, couple differences there. So Kissability, mm-hmm. yeah. Bull in the Heather, Dirty Boots, Incinerate, Little Trouble Girl, Cool Thing, Sugar Cane, 100%, and The Empty Page. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah we overlap a lot with our short list for sure. But Definitely. yeah, and they're, they're all hits. And maybe a lot of that has to do with the nostalgia for us. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the songs that weren't actually hits... They're hits among Sonic Youth fans. So like, for example, Disconnection Notice, no one is calling that a Billboard hit or anything. But I think amongst Sonic Youth fans, Disconnection Notice is very, like, beloved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you had a Lee song in there with the Karen Revisited. Yes. Uh, I believe he's also the lead on uh, Paper Cup Exit. That's another Lee Ronaldo uh, lead. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I remember for basically every band I've ever loved. When I was younger, I couldn't tell the difference between most of the lead singers, so <laughs> I, I just thought they were singing in a slightly different voice, like Beatles. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Sonic Youth. Uh, those are the only two bands in the world. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, cool. last thing we got to do is to restock the employee recommendation shelf. Um, my pick. 
Uh, it's a new album that came out this year. I've really been enjoying it. Uh, it's got a very specific vibe, very distinct kind of like overall theme to it. Uh, it came out in 2021. The album is called Mercy, and it's by Natalie Bergman. Tara, do you know who Natalie Bergman is? I don't know. Natalie Bergman. I mostly knew her because she is also in that band, which is pretty good, called Wild Bell. Have you heard them? Oh, yeah. I've seen them open for somebody. Ditto. That's and how I came across I know, Wild Bell. Okay. I know them. I They have one song that was like kind of popular. Was it Backslider? Was it Fancy Clothes? Was it, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, but I here's what I remember. Um, I She's also a good singer. Yeah, she is. Uh, I saw them opening. I be, I want to say I saw them opening for Toro y Moi one one tour. Me too. Yeah, that's the tour. There you go. And I think I think the song is "Keep You." Oh, I remember that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, was that in Heaven at the Masquerade? Yes. Hey, we were at the same show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, at that show was when I first heard about Wild Bell, and I was like, oh, y'all are good. Y'all are kind of mm-hmm. like. Maybe like reggae-ish, but if Coco Rosie was the, like singing the vocals, because she has kind of like that whiny, like voice in in I was Wild Bell. Her, yeah, I was thinking her voice was like kind of bluesy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, it's a distinct voice, which I yeah. dig. That's uh, Natalie Bergman. That's the that's the uh, the female lead singer. Uh, the other lead in the group it's a it's a duo basically is her brother mm-hmm. and that's the other guy in the group um so anyway they have this band called wild bell they've put out uh, i think three albums very good but here's the story okay uh apparently the first night they were going to play like radio city music hall it was like a big step for them like like this was like a big move for their band their parents, the you know the brother and sister that are the lead of Wild Bell, their parents were killed by a drunk driver. So it kind of like really kind of just like fucked her up. Like this this moment of like her greatest success and her greatest yeah. loss occurring at the same time. And then she like requested herself into like this monastery to like live in silence for like a really long time. I'm oh not, my goodness. I'm not sure of all the details about this. This is just things like from the press release. Yeah. Then... She basically just had to do something with all this stuff, all these feelings and thoughts and whatever. So she created her own solo album and um, she wrote it all on her own, performed it all on her own, produced it all on her own, mixed it all on her own. And then she just released it on Third Man Records and uh, cool. it's called Mercy. And um, it's super religious. Like it is religious to the oh. max. Talks about Jesus, talks about faith, talks about like, like the album cover is her praying in front of a giant cross. Like it's, I, I, I'm wow. not a religious person. I, I don't mind if, if other people want to sing about it. That's fine. You know, I'll get down with some like Leuven Brothers, Get Behind Me Satan, you know, like that's, <laughs> it's all cool. But um, but just know that when you're getting into it, that it's very religious and it's very gospel esque. Like it's that's that's kind of the um, the tone of the album. But uh, but it's great. I really enjoy it. Um, Third Man Records is a great label, and this is a great album. Mercy by Natalie Bergman. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Tara? Um, I'm actually just going to recommend a single. Um, my boy Sebastian Tellier yeah. released a new single just uh, super recently this summer, 2021. 
Um, and it's a cover of Childish Gambino's song, Feels Like Summer. So, I feel like And, you know, it's his his crooner voice, but shimmery, that same shimmery aesthetic of the song that Childish Gambino released. Um, and I just really enjoy it. I've already listened to it a ton since it came out. So highly recommend Sebastian Tellier, Feels Like Summer. I'm going to check that out. That's uh, yeah. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a, a real nice song of the summer. Yeah. Very cool. It's great. Well, excellent stuff. Um Thank you to everyone who is here for uh, coming and shopping here and uh, hanging out and listening to us gab for a while. But the store is officially closed. So happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.